You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... <sighs> Who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. very rare stupid move for me right i opened up two beverages and i would have been drinking them at the exact same pace which makes no sense and it's stupid one of them i like so these are both powerade zeros um one is citrus peach love peach fantastic flavor it's wonderful uh well the citrus is very subtle i have another one when you come up next week i'll say one for you okay i'm just giving you all sorts of drinks I don't uh, you. <laughs> and the other one is the Powerade Watermelon Berry uh, Zero Sugar, which I don't like very much. Huh. But uh, but th- I've been drinking them both at the same pace. It makes no sense. It's very stupid. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. After further review, episode number eight is here. We have pulled in a station. We put the brakes on the train, and uh, we're just getting out. We're getting out right here. Um, so thrilled to have you guys with us. Thank you. So much for joining us wherever you are, uh, whenever you're listening on this fine planet Earth. Um, got a lot to get to today. Um, NFL draft is behind us. And uh, Sean, it was great to watch my mock draft uh, this uh, this past weekend completely go up in flames. Uh, but um, very <laughs> enjoyable to to watch the draft. Um, so much to talk about, so much drama. Um, so I decided to get Ian Cummings and Jacob Kamaker both at the same time. For a post-draft recap, those guys are awesome. Um, it was a really in-depth interview. Um, again, it's just impossible to touch on the entire draft. Like you literally would have to have an, a podcast dedicated to the draft and just do daily episodes to actually talk about what you want to talk about. But we got into a lot of stuff. It's a good in-depth um, interview. So so buckle up. Um, that will be coming your way. Again, Jacob Kamaker and Ian Cummings were kind enough to give us some of their time. Uh, me and Shawnee are recording virtually. Shawnee is in a good old Richmond, Virginia, in the capital of the Commonwealth. And I am here in my humble abode in Ashburn, Virginia. Um, so we are excited to be here. Shawnee, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Good to see you. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite the week. For some reason, I'm oddly yeah. tired today, but, uh, but, but the podcast is always fun to get up and going. Um, and so it's good to see your face virtually here via Zoom. You're looking very handsome. <laughs> so I look a little bit better. I shaved. Did you? Yeah, I look pretty good. I, so I had the neck beard for a while. It, it, ah, does not yes. grow, it does not grow above half an inch above my jawline. Oh, it's devastating. Yours is good. Mine just it doesn't it doesn't creep up. Yeah, you know it's really it's really brutal. I lost the charger for my razor, so now mm. my razor's dead, and uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I have to eventually uh, find a new charger, but I'm like, I, it's 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 going to start looking bad in another day or so. So I got to start addressing that. Um, but, uh, but it's always good to see you. We got moving Thank the you. chains uh, here coming up to uh, start this off. So 
we got our first, second, third, and fourth down stories for those of you who are just joining us. Um, it's anything life related, maybe sports related, uh, but mostly it's just kind of the first things that come to our minds, um, things you want to share with you guys before we get into our interview. So my first down story, Sean, as I was explaining to you off the pod, um, my AC broke in the mm. house. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, um, this happened last like Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, middle of the night, I wake up and I'm just it's it's like you, it's like you took me out of a pool. I'm just oh. sitting in bed. And it's funny because this has happened twice now. Last winter, my heat went out. My heat went out in the middle of January. A couple so days that before. Been, that would have been you were still at your parents house, right? No. So this was this. Did I say last January or this past January? This is this past one. So just a couple months ago. Okay. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. It's about eight, nine degrees outside. The heat mm. goes out. So I wake up and the house is at 44 degrees. And uh, I, I actually have 44? 100% the thermostat's wow. at 44 degrees. I woke up and I sit up and it was a lot of expletives. A lot of words that <laughs> no one should ever hear. And I woke up my wife and the first thing she goes is, why the hell is it so cold? What's going on here? So I go downstairs. It's freezing. Uh, it's a disaster. I don't know what to do. I'm just completely frozen. So we literally just start stacking on sweaters. This goes on in January. Uh, last week, uh, the first day it hit 86 degrees. Uh, I turn on the AC before I go to bed. Hear the fan kick on. I wake up in the middle of the night and the house is above 80 degrees in the house. And I'm just sitting here going, what are we doing? Like, what is going on? So I call the landlord. Hey, man, he's awesome. My landlord is, is awesome. I said, hey, listen, uh, we need to get this figured out. This is this is a problem. Um, and he said, listen, let me let me call uh, FH Fur. Let me get these guys out here to, to see what we can do. Uh, calls me back a couple minutes later. He goes, Hey, so FH for our booked until next Thursday. <laughs> and they're the only ones, like he said, everyone else is booked out. He said, this is just the time of year where they all go. So I'm currently recording this in a sauna. Uh, Ooh. and I've just been, again, my head's been out the window. Whenever a cloud goes over the sun, I just splits over and open the doors and open the windows and just take the fans and point them outside to inside and like get in your air. <laughs> but it's just, it's tough. Cause then you start, you know, you, you know we we're spoiled as people like we've never we've never had life as easy like literally 100 years ago 200 years ago central heat and air just wasn't a thing and now we're we're very comfortable in our our, our central heat and air and as i walk out the door i just see my neighbors just kind of walking in and out of their house beautifully air conditioned and i'm just like yeah just hate so it's just you. your unit like you're, you're it's my unit just my fan so you know mm-hmm. you know but and this is what husbands do right you know, Anna goes, oh, gosh, what's the deal? She said, do you, you want to go check it out? Like, and I saw I went down. I reset the thermostat. She goes, well, you know, you could go check the box fan. I said, well, of course, I'm a husband. I got, I'm a man. I got to figure this. I got to fix this. So go outside and, you know, kick it and curse at it and just, just kind of put my hands on my hips and go, all right, what, what can we do here to fix this? Uh, and then I quickly realized I'm not a man. I actually can't fix much of anything. Uh, and I just had to go back up to my wife and admit the. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I think this thing is gone. I think we need to have a guy come mm. in. So um, that is what we have going on on Thursday. But just the heat going or the, the AC going out when it's this hot. Just, of course. Yeah. Of course. I know. Not that long ago, we were complaining about the weather being cold. I bet you wish it was like that again. Just I know. Little... Isn't it ridiculous? I swear. I'm just yeah. so that was just amazing. But apparently my landlord said that five or six people 
uh, in the neighborhood had their AC units go out. Essentially, oh, okay, so it's not just time. you. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's just me. So Why misery it loves company. Time of year. Yeah, well, it's because the AC's not been on, right? So this uh, is okay, where yeah, things this, happen, okay, things build sense. up, or things like that, and it's just like it's the same thing in the wintertime. Your heat mm-hmm. system, your furnace isn't on. You, your furnace is off for maybe four straight months, five straight months, and then all of a sudden you kick it on, and it's like, what? I didn't think I existed. So mm-hmm. uh, brutal. So I'm just here, um, and uh, we're we're makeshifting fans and putting them <laughs> in places and taking bowls of ice and just just sitting in the freezer. It's brutal. It's I'm glad brutal. I'm in Richmond. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Actually, it's a great episode. <laughs> it really Because is. it wasn't very long ago. Was it last week or two weeks ago where we were in the basement here and some way or another it was 38 degrees in the basement. Oh, My basement freezing, gets so yeah. cold. I was like, what was going on? So hey, you're not missing much. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the reason this is my second down. The reason I am in Richmond, uh, as you know, I went deep sea fishing down in the Outer Banks. So this is kind of mm. stopping at my girlfriend's is uh, – Kind of not the halfway point, a little more than halfway, but it's like a good in between to to getting home. So I'm stopping here for a day and a half. So you want to know how my fishing went? I got it. You're right. You're fishing, okay. went, dude. So I um I'm I like deep sea fishing. Fishing is something that I enjoy. It's not you know it's not like my number one pastime or anything, um, but I really do enjoy fishing. And it's, it's something that um, I'll do when I have the chance. So my grandmother, uh, while back, she said that we have a date May third going deep sea fishing um out of hatteras village down in the outer banks uh would you like to come i said yeah paid you know however much it was and we went out deep sea fishing um it was so you go through you go through between i'm sure you know what i'm talking about you go between hatteras and ocacroke Mm -hmm. it's the inlet i I forget what it's called uh they they always have issues dredging it but we go through and the part that's supposed to be really rough was really calm but then like right after that like maybe I don't know, a quarter of a mile after that, it got really, really rough. Mm. Like really, like like to the point where the cabin had to turn off the motor and just go with the waves. Oh like, my gosh. But yeah, it, it was really rough. And so I'm sitting there. I never get motion sick. I never Oh get- no, I see where the story's <laughs> going. <laughs> I I have never I've been deep sea fishing before. I've been on planes that have been bumpy. I've never had car sickness, sat in the back of a car, ne- never had an issue. And I'm like, my stomach doesn't feel right. No, no. I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna play. So I kind of like get in the fetal position on one of the benches in the cabin. I'm like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Like telling myself, I'll be, I knew I was gonna be okay, but I was, I was telling myself I was gonna be okay. <laughs> so we, we go further and further out, and it starts. It it went from pretty choppy to actually really nice, but the damage was done to my stomach. Oh no. And so at one point we get out there and we start trolling for tuna. Um, they just use uh some uh fake uh what are they fly flying fish that kind of bounce mm-hmm. on top of the water and the tuna will come up and bite now they them. jump up and bite it they're not going that's not below water is that is no, it just a different type of bait wow that's wild yeah they want to it's uh, not to get sidetracked but they run what's called a kite and the lines go to the outriggers and then to separate them and then up to the kite and the kite suspends them in the air just enough, but they still hit the water because they're obviously a wave. Because they don't want to cross. Like, they're not crossing lines. Well, no, they're, they're not crossing. That's why they go out to the outriggers the on outriggers. the boat. Okay. And then they all go to the kite, and the kite keeps the bait suspended just above the water, but they're still kind of splat. They still hit the water every now sure. and then, and that's what attracts the tuna. So the tuna will track it and jump up at it. It's, re- it's re- I mean, it's really cool. Mm. Um but yeah, at that point we we started trolling. I went to the bathroom downstairs, and I get in the enclosed space, oh, no. and 
no windows, nothing to see outside. And just I'm just you rocking and God. back and forth. <laughs> exactly. I'm just rocking back and forth. And you know that throw up taste you get in your mouth? Oh, God, I do. Up? It's oh, just like no. a sour kind of. Oh, like, no. Yep. You knew it was coming. I go, crap. So I finish up in the bathroom because the first mate said, don't throw up in the bathroom because I think a lot of people will miss. And that's oh, never boy. fun to clean up. So this, I like everybody's in the cabin, like waiting for a fish to bite. I like very calmly, like incognito, walk through everybody, like nothing's wrong. I walk out, I go behind one of the chairs that you use to reel in, and I just kind of like look over this side a little. I still got the taste in my mouth; it's getting oh, no. worse. Oh, no. And you know how right before you throw up, you always spit. No, oh, <laughs> you know, thinking no. that's gonna get rid of it. So I just, I'd like throw a little, no. little spit in the ocean. And then, like two seconds after I spit, I it's gone everywhere. Yeah, no, yeah. But that was the only time I puked. I had, I've never gotten motion sick before. I have a theory. I always have a theory. <laughs> I oh, need God. you. Let me know what the theory. What do you think of this? As you know, let me grab it so I can show you. I always have the big water bottle that the infamous oh, yeah. water bottle. Yeah. Every time I go to the beach, I'm normally with my mom, who always buys watered bottles, like yep. bottles of water. So I'm never drinking tap water. This time she wasn't with me. It was just me and my grandparents and they, they didn't have any bottled water there. So I was drinking the refrigerator water that comes from the well at the beach and it, it didn't taste good. Like it, it was, you know, when water is just like off, mm. it was, just Oh off. yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I drank, I drank so much cause I didn't want to get dehydrated or anything out there. Cause that's always the worst getting dehydrated when you're 40 miles offshore. So oh, I, I drank gosh. a bunch of water the night before, um, and the morning of, and I was not to get into the details, but I was having other issues with my stomach. Oh boy. After drinking that was, so I'm wondering if I went out again and I didn't have the tap water, if I'd still throw up, I don't think I would have, I think, you it know, was, to be honest with you, enough. seasickness is like something that even if you don't have it, like it just, it can, it can catch up with you because those boats in fairness, yeah. the fishing boats are not big at all no. and they are light. They're very light. Um, and they're light because if you're carrying a heavy payload back, it's able to offset the weight. But those fishing boats mm-hmm. are, 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 you know, they rock. Things, they do. They go mm-hmm. with the waves. That's the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah that is just that's. a. So, I'm either not going to have the tap water next time or I'm not going to um, not do anything about it. Like I didn't put on the patch and I didn't take Dramamine. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have to do either one. Yeah, I think I want to try the patch. I don't. Have you the heard pa- of that? It's like a little. Yeah, patch I do. I have. Here. Yep. It like yep. slowly leaks medicine into you that you'd put it on the night before. Something like yeah, I've I've heard it. Yeah, they, like amusement parks still they'll, they'll sell them at amusement parks all the really? time. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, they do the for rides? roller coasters. Yeah, people get really super much. Yeah, yeah, pretty fascinating. Okay. Um, well, I'll have to try that next time. Yeah, I kind of have some. I mean, do you get motion sick? Oh, dude, I can't sit in the back of a car. I can't sit. Okay, I can't, good thing I get you didn't come with so, me. I get Is that so why you said because no? I invited you fishing. Is that why you said no? <laughs> you can tell me the truth now. You can well, tell me actually, the truth. I can't tell you the truth. I said no because I hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the honest to God truth. Uh, it was actually my dad's, but we celebrated my dad's birthday this past. Okay, week. that's fair. So, yeah, but um, you did invite me. I actually, it sounded like like a ton of fun. But if you yeah. were hurling over the ship, then I, I think, uh, think I'm glad I stayed. I it think just, it worked out it, for the both of us. You're dude, away from my broken entire day. And I, you know, didn't have to worry about uh, yeah, yeah, CPR. It, it, it ruins the entire day. I'm telling yeah. you, just getting motion sick, dude. You know, yeah. to stay on the Too on bad. the ship on the ship theme. Um, my my third down story. I'm calling all you cruisers because you guys, uh, uh, this one's for you, uh, Sean. I'm a cruise enthusiast. Yeah, um, you know that I. Share of them. 
I have been on, I want to say I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on about 10 cruises. I've been really? on. I am such an avid cruiser, dude. And I think the biggest thing that COVID killed for me were two things that they destroyed, right? Buffets. I love buffets. I like to just mm-hmm. stuff my face. I love when anything is like a set $12.99, $13.99, and you can just eat whatever you want. Yeah. Um, second thing is cruises, man. Let me tell you, the cruise industry got destroyed with COVID um, because oh, yeah. completely destroyed. Um, you know, CDC um, hasn't cleared cruises to sail in a year. So mm-hmm. what, what you'll see is if you're in coastal towns especially in florida if you're off virginia beach um down in florida you'll see it most virginia beach now is off but baltimore mm-hmm. even in new york you'll see these ships anchored about 15 20 miles not even 15 or 20 miles i'd even say less than that um it's more like eight to ten miles offshore mm-hmm. and they'll just anchor themselves there they haven't been at port um because they're legally they're not allowed to, if, you're, if you're based in port then you're paying port fees and port taxes so if you can mm-hmm. anchor off offshore you're you're avoiding that but they're just dormant they've just been you know sitting there and they'll have crews on it to, to maintain it and things like that um but it's just gotten killed um and it's just broken my heart because it's my absolute favorite vacation of all time and then people who haven't cruised there's a lot of joning about cruises, about the people, about blah, blah. It's just the, the best value, the best bang for your buck on vacation. It's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than a year, and this is uh, this is cntraveler.com. Um, I was reading this up. I actually got a couple emails from the cruise alliance themselves. Uh, but more than a year after COVID-19 virtually stopped most cruises, the industry has been in flux with many cruise uh, ships anchored in international waters, waiting finalized clearance from the U.S. Center for Disease Control to resume sailing. Last week, the CDC released further clarification on the conditioned sailing orders that had been in effect since October of 2020, allowing cruising to resume on a firmer timeline. In a letter the CDC sent to U.S. cruise executives, the agency stipulated that if cruise liners can demonstrate at least 95% of customers and 98% of crew are vaccinated, they can skip plans for the time-consuming simulated test voyages that were in place uh, for safe sailing again. And they are hoping to get cruises back in port and sailing again in July. Yes, 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 and yes. I love cruises. I want them back. I need to be on a cruise. I'm on the first cruise ship out of Florida. I don't (laughs) care where I am. Get my ass on there. And I am into the Caribbean. I will literally have Jimmy Buffett on replay in my ears nonstop. I just, I love them so much. So I can't wait for that. Um, Go get your vaccines. You haven't gotten your vaccine. Go get it. Um, Get signed up, make it happen because I need my ass on a cruise ship. I need (laughs) you guys on cruise ships. I need to get back down to the Caribbean and gain some serious weight. Uh, So for all you cruisers, um, this one's for you. Get vaccinated, baby. (laughs) There you go. Amen. You got a fourth down for me? Yeah, I do. It actually, when we were, um, when we were talking about shaving, (laughs) I had a thought because I did shave tonight. My my, uh, girlfriend and I, we went out to a bar. Great. What is your wife's opinion on different types of facial hair? Yeah. So this is a very interesting question. So, um, good one. so I grew, do you remember this when we were in Mason? Um, I grew actually a beard at George Mason. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when I had that, that full beard going on? I didn't yeah, like it. Wasn't it was huge, but it was, it was 
much more it, noticeable than what you have now. I mean, you got like a little bit of like I got the old stubble going on, yeah. right? But I actually, and I'll send you a picture of it because it's a while ago. I can barely even remember, but I actually like straight up had a beard going on. Like, really? it was, it, yeah, it was. I'm, I'm going to send you a picture so you can see it. Yeah, send it. Um, strange. I didn't per se love it. I just had to do it because I wanted to do it. Like I had to see what I was capable of doing. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. so most guys will go like, can I grow a beard? Let me try it. Most guys will. will... So Anna actually is very like thumbs up with a lot of different things. Like she, she's even said like, Oh, like stubble looks good. She loves clean shaven. I think clean shaven is the one seed though, to be honest with you. And I know that if she came down now, she'd probably say that she'd probably say some other stuff, but I think clean shaven is the number one go. That's my favorite. I mean, okay. I think I could pull off a beard if I grew it properly, but I didn't think I really did. Um, I'd say, I'd say clean shavings are one seed for sure. Okay. So like, what about mustaches? Oh, that's a hell no. Mustaches are no. Yeah. She, she, uh, I I don't, I don't see Anna's sweet enough to where if I literally came down with a handlebar mustache, like I was about to go shoot up some Western bar, right? (laughs) If I looked like Sam Elliott walking down in the morning, I guarantee you she would find a way to make it a compliment and say, Oh, you look fantastic. But deep down, she'd be like, what the, I need to find it out in this marriage. I need to find an annulment (laughs) one way or another. Uh, I'd say clean shaven's probably her one seed for sure. If I did a mustache, I did the bit where when I took off my beard, I did, and I got to send you these pictures too. I, I took it off in sections. Oh, did it like the fun. Stonewall Jackson, and then I had the yes, Freddie Mercury. It's really yeah. funny. I got to show you like the Freddie I like, Mercury. I like mustache. doing the sideburns. You get sideburns down to um, your jaw. Yep. And then you just keep the mustache. That's exactly what it's I did. It's so creepy. It's 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 uh, incredible. Yeah, I'm just oh, the creepiest. Can't look. believe it's the worst look of all time. Like history has evolved, and I think those will die with history. Oh yeah, yeah. But well, how anyways, about you? Back, let me let me get back to my point. So yeah. uh, I, uh, well, first of all, I can't grow a beard. You know that my beard is a neck. <laughs> I can. I, it goes from yeah. the neck. It goes from like the <laughs> tiny, like I said, tiny bit above the jawline, and then mm-hmm. down the neck. Yeah. So if I grow it out, it's it, um, it's going to be like um, looks like a bushman. Who the heck's the guy with the? Oh, you don't see Pirates of the Caribbean. He's got the tentacles as his face. Oh, oh Davy Jones. Guy. Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. I look like Davy Jones. Except ah. like neck tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to grow a beard. And my beard always comes in red. Like I get oh, red really? hair. Yeah, it's I weird. get some red in my beard. beard. Yeah, interesting. I get some red, not a lot though. I tried to dye it one time <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, wow. Just for Men beard dye. Oh, just for me. <laughs> yeah, I, except I got too dark, so it was like it was. You, you could tell, and I stained my skin too. Have you ever, have you ever dyed any part of you? Uh, no, thank God. Okay. Yeah, if you stain your skin, it's uh, people now. Oh God, that's so terrible. Yeah. yeah. So what'd you do? Just just put that paper bag that Lions fans put over their heads. Mm, a lot of scrubbing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of. Had to take out the steel scrubbing brush. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I've tried that. I, I just I can't get a facial hair. Out that i like Mm. here's the thing for our female listeners facial hair for guys is very hard so stop Mm. like saying that you have a hard morning routine because we have a hard one too (laughs) because you get a look that you like and then all of a sudden it's gone because yeah or and, and then you try to do it again and it's like dang it that's not it that's that's not what i had like i i had not that long ago literally i i mean i look like a supermodel in my opinion, like looking <laughs> at myself in the mirror, I was like, I'm hot. In and then the next opinion. day, I'm like, oh, I'm ugly. 
<laughs> it grew. Oh, that's incredible. I'm a so, supermodel in my opinion. God, that's yeah, got to be the show title. Hairs. Anyway, so this today uh, we were getting ready to go out. And so I did the, uh, I was trying to like trim my neck beard a little, but I ended up going up too far. So then I just shaved the entire beard, but I kept the, um, what are they, right at the chin, mm. the facial hair right at the chin and then the oh, mustache, really? which doesn't connect to anything. Hannah didn't like that. So then I did just the mustache. She didn't like that. And so then I got rid of everything. And I don't yeah. like that. I don't like clean shave because I look like a baby. Yeah. No, I get it's that. Hard. I get that. My 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 uh yeah, my my dad has never grown a beard. He'll never grow a really? beard. He doesn't like him. Yeah. Can he? Uh, my grandfather. Yeah, uh, yeah, he can. My my grandfather okay. has a beard, but he just he my grandfather has always had a beard his whole life. But my dad will never, never grow a beard. I mean, I, I like facial hair, but if I can't pull it off 100%, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try it. Because There just... are some people who look fantastic yeah. with certain stuff. Even like mustaches. Some people look good with mustaches. Dude, Sam it's Elliott. Very rare. Sam Elliott just. It's his just, voice, though. It's his, vo- it's his lo- it's voice. I mean, but let's be clear. <laughs> if he didn't have that voice, do you think he could? I mean, maybe he mm-hmm. could, dude. It's just the perfect pairing. He's just such a star. Mm. Um. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So, so facial, so so stop making fun of us guys and our facial hair because it is incredibly hard to <laughs> get it exactly how we want. Yeah, you got to get it the way you want it, Johnny. Yeah, you got to get it hard. the way you want it. Um, that's good stuff, man. That is yeah. good stuff. So, um, yeah, I actually, gosh, I should have some questions for you. Maybe I'll, after the interview, I'll ask you a few questions about okay. that deep sea fishing trip because I do have a few questions. Um, right. But uh, we are going to jump right into. Uh, Jacob Kamaker and Ian Cummings. We're going to go through everything to do with the draft. Um, they're awesome. I think you guys will, will dig it. Um, but we are going to go right into Jacob and Ian right now. It's the After Further Review podcast with Connor Forrest. Welcome back to After Further Review. I am really pleased to be joined not only by Mr. Ian Cummings, but Jacob Kamenker as well. You know, we, we did uh, interviews with with both of these guys last few weeks. Got a lot of great, great feedback. And, and we said at the end of those interviews, said, hey, we're going to get you back on. So I thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get them both back on at the exact same time. Uh, they're, they're both stars. And I thought, what a, what a great time to get them, them both on after the draft. Um, so much to get into. Obviously, the league always has stuff to talk about. but but. Uh, just so much fruit to, to pick on here after after the draft. So uh, Ian and Jacob join us now. Boys, how are you two doing? I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, I'm glad to be on together. I, ha- I haven't heard Ian's voice in like a few weeks. That, no, that's a lie. I heard it last week, I think. But I'm still happy to hear Ian's voice as well as yours, Connor. <laughs> yeah, it's great I, to hear I, both I, your voices. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't guarantee that you would have heard my voice again after the draft. But we got we got <laughs> through it. We made it through. <laughs> we're all good now we've had time to rest and recalibrate so that's a it's a it's a nice feeling for sure it's almost kind of weird these past few days it's been like you almost didn't have enough work because you were doing so much now it's just like it's leveled out off a bit but it's it's going to come back up soon with the summer scouting and the other stuff so it, the grind never truly ends but we got past the peak yeah, there's no there's there's no two dudes I felt worse for after Thursday because after the draft <laughs> ended, you know, the the final pick of concluding, you get the you know, well, this is the end of the first round. Join us tomorrow for round two of the NFL draft. 
And I was just like, ah, great. I'll put the pizza box down. I'll go to bed. And I just, in the back of my heart, knew these boys are going to be up till four in the morning. <laughs> like, these guys <laughs> are just working so hard. Uh, so there's just so much stuff to get into. Um, I mean, we, we do mock drafts all the time. Yeah, especially, you know, Ian, um, you've been doing mock drafts for, for you know, the last entire year leading up to, you know, this past weekend. Um, and, you know, I did a couple. Jacob did a couple as well. And it's just funny to kind of see all those mocks essentially go up in flames because there's just always things we don't know, right? There's always uh, yeah. factors that come in at the last moment, um, teams that just make choices that maybe they should or shouldn't make. We, we don't know. I mean, it's, it's just interesting. And the draft, we always try to grade it immediately, but it always takes time. So I want to jump into all of that with you guys. Got, got a ton to get to. Um, I want to start going around the league like we did um, the last two times I had talked with both you guys. So we're going to touch upon a few things. Not nothing, um, nothing bigger really than what's coming out of, of Green Bay. So I want to touch on some of the Aaron Rodgers news. Um, this news to most came out of really nowhere, but to people who are relatively plugged in the league, I, I feel like it seemed only a matter of time before things with, with number twelve, you know, came came to a head up there in Green Bay. Um, three-time NFL MVP is reportedly done with management and once out of Green Bay. So um, just a little bit of background here. Um, Jay Glazer on Fox Sports says that that Rodgers is strongly convicted. Uh, he doesn't want to return to the Packers and essentially uh, wants nothing to do with them. And it has nothing to do with his contract. He's, he's uh, also reported that the Packers teammates have been told by Rodgers he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore. Uh, Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, reported that the team told Rodgers they were going to trade him this offseason and then backed off of it, uh, in which Rodgers has stated that trade or no trade, uh, he's not coming back. Um, so I just, you know, I mean, how do you digest that? I mean, it, it seems as if the the um, temperature has been turned up there to the highest and in relatively quick fashion. So, Jacob, um, we talked about the Packers um, recent draft history um, a few weeks back on the podcast and, and just how, how bad and in my eyes and definitely in yours um, that I, at least we, we've seen their recent years, um, the, the lack of giving Aaron Rodgers weapons. And, and it's clearly come to a boiling point between um, both parties. But, Ian, I want to start with you on this one um, and then we'll go to Jacob. You can you can take the baton. Um, first of all, what's your immediate takeaway from the reports that Rogers wants out of Green Bay? And and I mean, how do you think this plays out? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's definitely not surprising when you look at, like you said, they haven't really been able to surround him with weapons. Here's the thing, though. I mean, he won the MVP award. So, he, you know, he didn't you could say he didn't really need the weapons. But at the same time, they haven't done the best they can to surround him with that talent. And there's been some other reports that, you know, you know apparently he, he really liked Jake Kumaro, his receiver, and they cut him like a day after he talked him up last year, apparently. I, I don't – I'm not completely set on the timeline here, but, you know, it, it's stuff like that. It seems like there's definitely ongoing friction between Rodgers and management. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I think the first, the first moment that this really came into light was on draft night, you know, like right before the draft, like two hours. So I thought a big a big blockbuster trade was brewing. Maybe the Broncos number nine would would get in on the action and try and get him. Uh, but the Packers have kind of dug their feet in, and to me, it just seems like a uh, it seems like a really stubborn, uh, really stubborn stance to take. I mean, if he's not coming back, and you already drafted Jordan Love too, that's what gets me really kind of worked up about this. Is you already used that first round pick on Love right there, 
you started a four to five year window where you really want love to hit the field. You don't want that first round pick to be for nothing. Right. And if Rogers is already out the door, I mean, maybe you just have to cut your losses, minimize the negative impact in the locker room and move on. I mean, you already kind of shoved him one foot out the door by picking love. That's what kind of gets me kind of confused about this. It seems like they're really trying to sit on the fence here and they're kind of non-committal, but you can't be non-committal as an NFL franchise. You know, if you're going to make a decision, you got to go all in. And it seems like, you know, they're kind of Rogers won the MVP. You know, he's the best quarterback arguably in the NFL right now. So you don't want to give up on that. But at the same time, if he doesn't want to be there and you have a succession plan in place, you got to go for it, man. That, that's my whole takeaway here. I'm not sure why they're digging their heels in. It almost seems spiteful, um, which you don't want to. If you're a franchise, you don't want to see them making decisions purely out of spite. But to me, that's a little bit what it seems like. It just seems like some bad blood. It's kind of festering right now. And this is what me and me and Jacob had talked about was you take Jordan Love in in the first round. I, ideally, what you're looking for when you take that quarterback in the first round is first, you want it to be your guy, right? You want it to be a dude who fits your system. But uh, the second biggest perk is having the ability to control that the future, that contract, you get that fifth year option. Uh, and, and ideally, you take a QB in the first round, you, you want to see him be an impact quickly. Um, which makes it just ever more mind boggling to me why they would not only take one in the first round like that, but trade up to do so. Um, Jacob, what were your media takeaways? Um, how do you think this plays out? Yeah, my takeaways are very similar to that of Ian. Like, my, my whole thing is, though, once once you drafted Jordan Love, that was sort of a way to say to Rodgers, like, Hey, you're not going to be the guy here forever. And like, no one knows that better than Rogers. He spent three years behind Brett Favre before he came in and started for them. And, you know, he was patient. He developed behind him. And Jordan Love was a guy who needed to sit at least one year, uh, probably in my opinion, two uh, before I would trust him to lead a team to the playoffs. Like they may be able to develop him on the field if they do get rid of Rogers, but by drafting Love and not only drafting him, but by trading up for him, uh, and not bolstering Rodgers' weapons. You send a signal to Rodgers of like, hey, you're not going to be the guy here forever. You're, we're going to move on from you soon. And for him, it was like, you know, our window is open and it's like only going to be open for a little longer because he's 37. He'll turn 38, I believe, next December. And if you looked at what the problem was with this team, in, at the time they drafted Love, they had a bad defense, but they had no receivers outside of Devontae Adams. Now, last year, their problems were largely the same because they ineffectively addressed areas in the draft that they didn't need to. They they added a tight end who barely played in the third round. They added a third string running back in the second round. They added a backup quarterback who was a third stringer for most of the year um, in the first round. So, you know, I, I feel like they've just mismanaged resources to, to the point that it's gotten bad. And I do not understand why they've now also come out and said, like, no, Rodgers is our guy. Like, he, he's clearly not. You drafted Jordan Love, and either you're going to trade Rodgers, get commensurate value for him after an MVP season and move on and rebuild around Love, or like you said, Ian, you're just going to waste Love's entire rookie deal in which you've just burned a, through a first-round draft pick for nothing. So, I mean, I personally think he's probably going to have to get traded. The, the trust has eroded between the two sides. Um, and I think that the Packers need to go into a rebuild. Uh, we saw last year that Rodgers, he literally carried the team on his back. It was not good on defense, and he did not have many receiving weapons, and he still won the MVP. So I think that goes to tell you how good he is. 
I would anticipate that if he gets traded, it'll be to the Broncos like you brought up, Ian. Um, the reason I say this, the Broncos betting odds uh, before the draft were about uh, 66 to 1. Most sports books now, they're in the 20 to 25 to 1 range. And those odds do not move that much unless you get a big upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating to watch because you see the dynamic between management and, and Rodgers here. And um, clearly, look, Rodgers chose these reports. The, these reports clearly came from Rodgers. Uh, and he wanted them to come out at this specific time. Um, apparently, he had a list of teams, I believe, uh, off the top of my head, I think it was Las Vegas, San Francisco, and I believe the Broncos as well um, were target teams for him. Um, by the way, for the record, isn't it funny how any player that's requesting a trade seems to have Vegas on their list? I, I don't know if that has anything to do with the team or just Las Vegas, Nevada just seems to be a fun place to live. I think that really has a lot to do with it, but I digress. Um, it's fascinating to watch. Um, again, you see management digging their heels in. Um, you see Rogers, you know, I, Mike Tarico ran into him at the Kentucky Derby and he seemed to talk about how he was, you know, uh, worried or he was, he obviously was disgruntled about the fact that these reports came out and he felt bad and he, he wanted to make sure that he knew the Packers fans were loved and blah, blah, blah. It just seems as if the politics is very clearly on both sides are dancing around the reality of the situation that I think, the the Packers need to make very public and very clear either Rogers is your guy and we are, we will do whatever it takes. I will move whatever mountain to make him happy and make this work and, and keep this Super Bowl window in green Bay alive, or they need to come out immediately and say he's up for auction. It's a highest bidder because guess what? You're not now dealing with the Deshaun Watson market. Um, Aaron Rodgers is in a class of his own and, and, and it seems as if um, gosh, this could go all sorts of directions. Ian, do you think, um, as of right now, does Aaron Rodgers play another snap for the Packers? Uh, honestly, the ball's in his court, you know? Like, the Packers can not – they can choose not to let him go. They can be stubborn, but it's really up to Rodgers if he's going to play again, you know? If he's totally in control there, and there have been reports that he's considering retiring if they don't trade him, you know? And, you know, he had that stint on Jeopardy and seemed to enjoy it. I, I see a scenario potentially – where he just retires because he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore and they're not willing to get rid of him and just becomes the host of Jeopardy. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like the out there scenario, but that that's kind of how likely it is that he's coming back. I, I guess that's the answer. He's not coming back. I mean, he's dug his heels in. He's decided. Uh, he's told his teammates that he's not coming back. And if the Packers keep being stubborn about this, that's not going to change his mind, honestly. I mean, the only way you could maybe change his mind is use the draft to get him weapons but then they drafted – I think their highest-drafted receiver was Amari Rodgers in round three. Uh, so, And then they didn't really get much beyond that. So you didn't do enough. Uh, and I think your window for trying to earn the affections of Aaron Rodgers back kind of closed. Uh, now now it's just a matter of who's going to give and, and when are the Packers going to kind of come, come back to reality and realize that, hey, it's better to just move on and get – you know, here's the thing, too. By trading Rodgers, you also get assets to help you. Uh, support Jordan Love as he develops as a quarterback. So to me, that seems like the most optimal future path by far. Kind of you backed yourself into a corner at this point, and that's kind of your only option. But if they're going to be stubborn, man, I can see a scenario where Rodgers retires. and Maybe he comes back after they 
after I, I don't know if the contract spans after his retirement or whatever, but it's going to be a hairy situation no matter what. And I think Rodgers is kind of it's definitely in his control whether he comes back or not. And if he does, if he's resolute in thinking he doesn't want to, then that's that. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's going to play for the Packers again. Um, ESPN's Rob Domofsky said on Get Up today, I believe that uh, there's a five percent chance that he plays with the Packers again. So you know mm-hmm. that's not a total rule out, obviously, but that does not sound very good. And I, I think I think what you said is right, Ian. At this point, like you just have to take what you can get for Rodgers, and he's still going to carry a ton of value on the market. So they might be able to get three first round picks for him. Maybe not that much because he's on the older side. Um, but you know, a team like a team like Denver, who has a ready to win now uh, roster outside of the quarterback spot, and has a coach that could find himself on the hot seat if they can't get better play out of their offense, that would seem like a perfect fit for him. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think he's going back to green Bay and if he pulls the Carson Palmer and decides to retire until they're willing to trade him, that would be very interesting to watch and see what type of value he would carry at the trade deadline, because I'm not sure it would be bigger than his, uh, trade value during the off season. Yeah. And there's so many aspects of this that are just so interesting because if he does retire, he owes back a lot of money, (laughs) a lot of money. Um, and, um, I, I believe it's north of 20 million over, over two years, um, at, at the minimum, I'd have to look up that number to, to, to clarify, but, uh, it'd be a lot of money if you retired now, is that worth it for him? Uh, like, like Ian said, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's very connected outside of football. Uh, he's got all sorts of opportunities. It seems as if with, with, uh, obviously with jeopardy and, um, you know, he's, he's recently engaged and, um, Shailen Woodley, and there's just a lot of different things in his life that make you think, you know, maybe what if he is comfortable with retiring? It's just, it's just fascinating. This is going to be a story that's just going to continue to grow um, and get more and more interesting. So um, we're going to have to, to, to keep tabs on that and, and see how this plays out. But uh, I think it's, it's only going to get uglier before it gets any better for both parties involved. Um, I want to move on to uh, something that I, I feel like the three of us are essentially legally required to talk about. Um, and that is because we work uh, around, um, and have, have covered and, and talked about uh, the Washington football team for so long. Uh, we have to talk about Kirk Cousins and RG3, right? It just will never die. It will That story will never die when they retire, when they're old. They'll be, you know, um, bumping walkers into each other. There's just always going to be a story around them. Um, but this actually comes uh, via uh, Bleacher Report. And uh, Robert Griffin III had a few words to say on draft night. Um this was actually day two. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings selected Kellen Mond in the second round. Um, and uh, here's what Robert Griffin had to say about that selection. I got a quote here. Uh, he says, yeah, I can tell you that number eight in Minnesota is not real happy right now because Kellen Mond represents exactly what he doesn't do well. And he is Kirk Cousins. Kellen Mond is the big physical quarterback. He can run it, throw it all over the field. And I don't think that's something that number eight is able to do in Cousins in Minnesota. Um, but I think that's what the coaching staff and administration is looking for. As you've seen, he went on to say, as you've seen, Cousins has been collecting checks there in Minnesota for a long time, taking him to eight and eight, nine and seven seasons. Uh, if he had a bad start uh, to the year like he did last year, I could see the fans and maybe the organization leaning towards Mond if he comes in and impresses. Um, gosh, this quote was then this is just. This quote was so embarrassing in my eyes to read. Uh, and, and to me, obviously, Robert is, is still 
incredibly sour over how his time at Washington ended. A lot of people are, um, but he spent literally years. Uh, we spent years talking about Arjun and Kirk Cousins in the endless drama behind the center. So I wanted to start with you, Jacob. Um, did you see these comments? Um, what did you think about these? What What was your kind of takeaway when, you know, if, if you had seen them at the time or if this is the first time you're hearing them, what, what did you make of these comments? So I had seen them. I honestly got a little laugh out of it because it just, it seems like this grudge has gone on for a while. Uh, and look, I get, I get the points RG3 is making. Like Kellen Mond is mobile. Kellen Mond can make a lot of throws. I love him as a developmental prospect. I think getting him in the third round is a really nice pick for Minnesota because they can afford to develop him behind cousins. And then, you know, if eventually the cousins contract uh, becomes too much, they could try to move on from him. Or if they don't think they can win a title with him, they can hand the reins to, to Mond. But like, I, I don't think Kirk cousins is like this, this awful quarterback, like, Oh my God, he's, he's the worst. No, he, he's a fine starter. Like, has he won consistently in the postseason? No, not yet. Um, he maybe never will. But, you know, he he's kept this Minnesota team competitive. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, characterizing him as collecting a check, I, I don't think that's what he's doing in this scenario. I think, like, yeah, you could argue, like, he's just an average NFL quarterback. I would say that's probably a fair thing – or an average starting quarterback. I think that's a fair thing to say. But, like, I don't know. I, I don't think you can paint Kellen Mond as this big-time savior. Like, yeah, of course he fits what the coaching staff wants to do. They wouldn't have drafted him if not. But I, I don't think he was drafted as a replacement to Kirk Cousins so much as a, hey, we need a backup slash lottery ticket in case Cousins doesn't, you know, get us to a, what we hope will be our ceiling. Um, so that's how I view Mond. I think, I think RG3, you know, he's taking a shot at Kirk Cousins. There's clearly a grudge there. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not reading too much into this. Maybe this, if anything, would motivate Kirk Cousins. But honestly, I can't imagine that he cares that much. Yeah. And I was excited to get uh, Ian's take on this because Ian is is uh, is a Kirk Cousins guy. And I mean, me and Ian at the same point, we were uh, in, uh, we, we, you know, back when, when Kirk was here in Washington. Um, I there was not a grenade I wouldn't jump on for Kirk Cousins. I, lo- I love Kirk. I, 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 I still think that uh, all the Kirkisms that that people um, I like to call them Kirkisms, where, you know, the late game pick or just uh, the just boneheaded play. Um, they made all of us frustrated too, but, um, I think he's much better of a quarterback than people give him credit for. And I think it's just, a, I think it, Kirk Cousins takes a lot of the, I'm just going to people on social media are just going to dive on him just because it's, it's a dog pile. Um, but I, I was excited to hear what, what Ian had to say uh, about these comments and, uh, kind of what, what your takeaway was. Yeah. I don't know if you want my thoughts. Cause I, you know, I, I, I got to give a disclaimer right up front guys. I live 15 minutes away from Michigan state university. Kirk cousins is the, he is the first quarterback I remember watching. Okay. So I am going to be biased toward Kirk cousins. That's just a thing. And it was something I didn't want to admit. I, I bet Jacob can attest when he was editing my articles way back in the day, it was something I didn't want to admit back then, you know, but I admit it now that is the one player you will not hear absolute objectivity from me about is Kirk Cousins all right like he I'm a fan of Kirk Cousins all right but at the same time I'm gonna take the gloves off okay this this move this this draft pick Kellen Mond honestly man watching Mond's tape it is not 
the upside is definitely there. Okay. You have the athleticism, you have the arm talent. But here's the thing. He was a long-term starter from Texas A&M Aggies. And I did not see linear development at any point in his career. You know, he was still the same volatile quarterback in his final year. And he showed some flashes of progress, but just never quite put it together. And I'm not convinced that you put him in the Viking situation and he can kind of gain that traction. And another thing about Kirk Cousins, man, I agree with you, Connor. And now me agreeing with you about Kirk Cousins is not something to, that's not an achievement, right? Because again, I, I, I am kind of leaning toward Cousins, but correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But I think over the past three seasons, he's been in the top 12 in quarterback EPA. Okay. Estimated points per added. And, you know, he's also been, I think in the top 12 in, in uh, completion percentage above over, over expected those, those, uh, those high tier analytical measurements, you know, he's been up near the top of the league in those. And then also, you know, stuff that's been working against him in Minnesota. I mean, Mike Zimmer is still one of those coaches who's kind of in the stone age offensively. Okay. What he likes to do is he likes to establish the run that cliche early on ends up getting your team down and now you have to play from behind so that's kind of the whole stat padding argument that comes with Kirk Cousins no it's just because Mike Zimmer is is playing way too conservatively early on in the game so then they always have to play catch up and then they don't quite have the defense so I know you need a very good situation for Cousins to be successful consistently okay but you knew that you signed up for that when you signed him and then you use an early third round pick on a quarterback I don't know, a quarterback that might never be your new, your next starter. I don't know. To me, it's just a bad use of assets. Honestly, I think Cousins is a top 14 quarterback in this league, a guy you can win with if you surround him with the weapons and the protection. And they're just not doing that. I mean, it seems like it's another one of those things, kind of non-committal. Either go all in or just give him to a team that's going to go all in, honestly. Like, to me, it just seems wasteful. And I honestly, the hate that Cousins gets, to me, it's not warranted. And now you have to take that with a grain of salt from me again, because I was a Michigan State fan and a Kirk Cousins fan. But looking at it, you know, trying to look at it as objectively as possible, I, I think he gets a lot of rap that's not really warranted. Yeah. At least I'll, I'll say one thing, one thing. Yeah. At least the Vikings didn't use a first round pick on a quarterback that may never play Green Bay. <laughs> exactly. At exactly. Green Bay. <laughs> Green Bay beat him there. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Honestly, it's it's so true. And and Ian, I I feel this way. My favorite band on the planet is Coldplay, right? And a lot of people hate on them. I I, I don't care if they came out with an album that said Connor Four sucks. I would get it in vinyl and I would just put it all <laughs> over the house. Like I don't. I just there's not a song they've written that I don't like. But Kirk, this is the thing with with Kirk, and the funny thing was with this quote when when RGD says this. I find it funny how he's saying collecting checks. RG3 has been a backup quarterback for the better part of five years now. And it's like, I, I think you're collecting checks, dude. Like, I think that's what exactly <laughs> what you're doing. It's like, I, I, I find that incredibly ironic. Um, but no, it's hundred percent true. You can't, you can't fault Kirk cousins for like, you know, maximizing his value with his agent. I mean, he did that, you know, plays, is, plays the quarterback correct. market and won. And you only, you're only an NFL player for so long. Dak Prescott did the same thing. You know, you're only an NFL player for so long. And injuries, all that uncertainty. I mean, the Alex Smith thing just makes it even more so. Uh, you know, looking at that, how he almost lost his opportunity to keep cashing those checks. So if you're Kirk Cousins, I mean, what else would you do other than maximize your value? And that was something I didn't quite understand back when he did, back when that contract saga played out. But first of all, 
you know, even with Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder, he didn't even want to come back, which you can't really blame him. But at the same time, I mean, just this is at the end of the day, it's your job temporarily and you'll only be in this position for so long. Make the most of it. You can't really blame him for that. But at the same time, he's been a good player, too. Yeah, it's 100 percent correct. And and the other thing as well that that I think people need to understand is if you've watched any bit of Minnesota in the last three years, you, you've seen that they have one of the worst offensive lines in football, and it's not even close. Um, their defensive line, Daniel Hunter got hurt um, last year, but they've not been able to get any sort of pressure on the defensive line. Both in the trenches on both sides of the football have been really bad. Um, and like you said, when, when, you, when you've got a coach, a run-first coach like uh, Mike Zimmer, you start playing from behind, and when you don't have a defense, when your defense, the, the 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 part of your team that is supposed to be your bread and butter, starts slacking, you know now now you're talking about playing from behind in, in a serious way. So um, I thought that was just funny, and and again the 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 people on social media who are like, oh, get him, Robert! Oh man, he just killed him. It's just like all of you just just all of you need to, to to sit down and uh and just have a popsicle and, and be quiet for a little while. <laughs> um but my goodness yeah it, it was just fascinating but I, I felt like we were legally obliged to talk about that uh because we spent so many years talking about those two gentlemen um uh but let's i want to dive right into this draft i mean there's so many things to talk about um i want to start with some immediate takeaways so we spent a lot of time grading these picks immediately and and it's why i actually loved having you guys on tonight because it gave us a little bit of time to sleep on it, right? I think we immediately on Thursday, Friday morning, people were giving their takes. And I think sometimes you need to sleep on it a little bit, take a little bit of time uh, to, to think about how the first, second, third, fourth round, even into the seventh, um, some value picks that kind of went down. Um, gives you a little bit of time time to, uh, to, to digest it a little bit. So, um, Ian, I want to start with you. I want you to give me your overall thoughts on this draft. Give me some teams that you thought were winners in your books. Um, on draft weekend, who do you think had a good weekend? Yeah, so a few of the top winners. I'll start. I'll stick with the NFC North. Go with the Bears and the Lions as two winners. I think the Bears, honestly, because coming into the draft, I mean, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were kind of in limbo. And honestly, it looked like they were maybe going to enter the year with Andy Dalton as their quarterback after the Trubisky experiment ended. So it basically looked like they were going to be fired, honestly. Like that, that's kind of the end game here. But then they were really patient. They waited until Justin Fields got out of the top 10, and then they traded up for him. They, they made a very decisive call, and they were aggressive in getting their quarterback. That was one of the things that I maintained for Washington this offseason is if you're in such a good position with having Ryan Fitzpatrick and a very strong roster, be aggressive, spend assets to get a one of the top quarterbacks in this class. And they, they ultimately didn't do that. I thought they still had a good draft, but I think the Bears have kind of, you know, set their rebuild on the fast track by getting Justin Fields. Now you have a four year window. You have a very talented quarterback and you're not you're not a lame duck staff anymore. You have potential to to, pinch, to save yourself. So I thought that, you know, Chicago, they were very proactive. Everyone was kind of writing them off before the draft and they really did a nice job. And then the rounds after that, too, they got Tevin Jenkins, who I think can be a very good starter at tackle. They got a few other guys, too. The Lions had a lot of value. Now, I, I didn't think their draft was perfect for the same reason. Uh, at number seven, they took Panay Sewell. You won't hear me complaining about him as a player, but I, I don't think Jared Goff is it long term at quarterback. So maybe get Justin Fields if Justin Fields is there. Honestly, and we just talked about Kirk Cousins. But I have such I have such a high amount of respect for Justin Fields as a prospect 
that I would have considered him if I was Minnesota, if he dropped a, if he dropped a 14, honestly, because he's a high end quarterback who has the consistency, has the accuracy, has the high end athleticism. You know, that's the guy who can elevate your roster. So you get that guy if you can. I, the Lions didn't, so that's going to bump down a little bit for me. But aside from that, man, the Lions had a ton of value in this in this class, a ton of value. They got two very good interior defensive linemen, Levi Onwuzurike and Aleem McNeil. And then they got Ifatu Melifonwu late in round three. This was a guy who me and Dalton Miller, uh, another one of our analysts at PFN, we both had him as a fringe first round cornerback. Okay, so honestly, just tremendous value. Uh, 6'2", 6'3", but an elite athlete and, and has that fluidity and that physicality to be a high-end starter. And then on in round four, on day three, they got another one of my favorite guys, Amon Ross St. Brown, all-name team and the all-game team. I mean, you look at this guy's tape, he is very competitive but explosive too and has a very nice multi-phase impact as a receiver. So I ultimately, I thought the Lions got some of the best value at every juncture in this draft. And then I'll, I'll throw one more winner out there, the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? The Packers drafted Ohio State center Josh Myers before Creed Humphrey, which to me was just insane. Creed Humphrey was a first-round prospect for me, and the Chiefs, he just fell into the lap. And then Trey Smith, offensive guard from Tennessee, another top 50 prospect for me. The only issues really concerning him was blood clots. Uh, he missed most of his 2019 season, I think. It was either 2018 or 2019. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he missed most of it with a blood clot issue. Uh, but then doctors cleared him. He's taking medication. So from my, from all my knowledge, it shouldn't be a huge issue. But it caused him to drop to round six. And then he fell into the Chiefs' lap. So honestly, this is a high-end starter at guard, in my opinion. Super physical, athletic. And the, the NFL just committed negligence by giving him to the Chiefs. I mean, now the Chiefs have a stalwart offensive line which is exactly what they needed. And the NFL just gifted it to them. So they got a really good value with that. As long as Trey Smith can stay healthy with the blood clot issues, which I think he can, I don't think it's an issue anymore. We obviously don't have all the information from the combine medicals, but you know, honestly, I thought, I thought he was past it. So hopefully he can stay past it. And if he can, then the chiefs committed highway robbery. So those were three big winners for me. There were a few others too, uh, but those kind of stood out. Jacob, um, what do you got? Uh, you got some winners for me? So first of all, Ian copied me. I'm accusing him of doing that, even though he went first. Because those were <laughs> those are three of my winners. I, I have other ones as well, though. Uh, That's good. Uh, I will say I'm a little higher on the Panay Sewell pick than you, uh, from the standpoint of uh, the quarterback in Detroit. Like I'm not a Jared Goff believer by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that the way they're doing their rebuild is they're going to find their quarterback later. Uh, yeah. But I, I understand where you're coming from on the Justin Fields front, though. Like, if they got Justin Fields, that could really transform them. Uh, but they also have so much draft capital that I think getting Panay Sewell, who could be the best non-quarterback in this draft, depending on how he and Kyle Pitts uh, pan out, um, I think that I think that's a no-brainer at seven for me uh, yeah. with the state of that. Uh, uh, for the other the other winners that I have on here, I really like what the Dolphins did. Um, I think that they did a good job of adding just really good talents at positions of need and bolstering weaknesses. Like, uh, you know, maybe they should have taken Panay Sewell over Jalen Waddle, but they brought in a receiver that has uh, has experience with Tua Tagovailoa and has high-end speed upside. I think that'll uh, work out in their advantage. 
Jalen Phillips has some concussion concerns, but if he can stay healthy, um, I think that he could be the best pass rusher in this class. And he's also staying at home in Miami, uh, which is great news for him because that's really where he found his game and really has like set his roots down. So I think that's great for him. On day two, you look at what Miami did. They added three excellent football players. Javon Holland, um, if he had played last year, he may have ended up being a first-round pick. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were focused on Trevon Moerig as the top safety on the board, but um, Holland went before him, and I can understand it because he's a big-time playmaker. Uh, Liam Eichenberg's a great blocker. Um, he's just solid, high floor, maybe not as high a ceiling as other guys, but – He's going to play right tackle for the Dolphins, and they needed a right tackle because that's to his blind side, and I trust Eichenberg a lot. Hunter Long went to Boston College, so I'm a little biased there, but he's a, he's one of the more well-rounded tight ends in this draft class. And then in the seventh round, they took someone out of UMass, so I can't complain about that either. That's my <laughs> alma mater. We don't have many players in the league. but yeah, yeah, Larnell Coleman, man, he's a high-end athlete with 36-inch arms. That's insane. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you, you love to see up that upside of the tackle. And then also Jalen Waddle. if I can butt in here real quick, I agree. I really like the upside there. And also, in my opinion, you know, the whole offseason, there was a big conversation around who the Dolphins should select there. And a few playmakers like Pitts, uh, Chase, and, and Devontae Smith were in the conversation, uh, depending on depending on who went first. We didn't know at the time. But I had always maintained that Jalen Waddle was the best fit for what they needed because in the receiving core, you know, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, uh, those are guys who were kind of more contested catch receivers. Jalen Waddle can separate. He can get run after catch. And at the same time, he has that chemistry. So really fits what they need and, and adds a new dynamic to their offense, which is honestly what you're looking for. That's exactly why I like the pick too. And uh, the other nice aspect about that is they signed Will Fuller in the offseason to a one-year deal. So you're going to yeah. have Jalen Waddle learning from Will Fuller. That is a fantastic mentor for him. So um, I definitely like that pick a lot for the Dolphins. Like if they weren't going to take Sewell, then Jalen Waddle, excellent fit there. Just so much to like about that. Another draft I really liked, Cleveland Browns. They did a really good job of adding talent uh, to their defense. They got maybe the steal of the draft in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa in uh, the yeah. second round. Uh, that was absurd. I had him mocked at 19 to Washington, actually. And uh, the only reason he fell was because apparently his heart got red flagged on a medical checkup, but they expect him to be okay. So, that was a big time steal and just all their other picks. Greg Newsom could become a really good starter at corner if he stays healthy. Um, and they added Anthony Schwartz as a speed threat. Took him a little earlier than I thought, but the upside in that offense is huge. And then I like their Demetric Felton pick in late the sixth round. Like that guy is just a playmaker and they're going to find a way to use him, be it at running back or receiver, um, just to, to add some uh, an extra dimension to that offense. So I, I'm a fan of that. I also like what the uh, the Panthers did. Um, they took J.C. Horn eighth overall, which was nice because I predicted that. Um, that's <laughs> kind of the only reason I brought them up. But they also got Terrace Marshall. I liked that pick a lot. I thought he could go in the first round. He went late second. And one more team, New England Patriots. I thought that they, they absolutely crushed portions of this draft. They got Christian Barmore in the second round. Great value there. Ramondre Stevenson fills a need for them. They needed a physical bruising back to go with Damian Harris. He fits the bill. And you guys both know that I like Mac Jones a lot. 
I love that the Patriots got him because he's a good system fit there and they didn't have to trade up to get him. Now, I know there's some concerns about his ceiling, but the Patriots don't necessarily need someone with the ceiling at that point. They need someone who can be better than what they had last year. And Lord knows last year they had some trouble at the quarterback spot. So I thought they did a good job of filling their needs and uh, without, you know, getting crazy and trading up for stuff. And they picked and chose their moments to trade up for Barmore. And that was smart. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Jacob kind of half bragged about this. I'll just I'll, I'll help him. I'll go the full brag. But Jacob did have, I think, the most accurate mock out there. And he also got the first eight picks right. So uh, that was amazing. That, I have this written down here and I was like, <laughs> it says in my notes, ask Jacob dot dot dot. Did he really guess the first eight picks correctly? Question mark. So, Jacob, you did. Is that correct? The first eight? I did. That's um, remarkable. I- I, I, you know, I've talked to some of my, some of my good friends in the mock draft world and we shared some information. So, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were really hyper focused on figuring out who the 49ers pick was going to be. And we ended up figuring out that we thought it was going to be Trey Lance. We had no real indication, but we went with that and that really saved us. So I ended up with a fairly accurate mock draft. I think I got 11 picks right in the first round. Uh, fantasy pros does mock draft accuracy rankings. I believe I came in 18th there, but in the, uh, NFL mock draft database had me at number one. So, you know, that's amazing where you will. I can't promise to be this accurate every year, but I was pleased <laughs> how I performed. Yeah. I, I could not have been more incorrect. And literally my, my mock ended up going sideways. I think at pick three, <laughs> like, yeah. it just didn't get better. Um, but uh, no, I, I, and y- you touched on, and funny enough, I um, I had a Wuso Koromoa going in the first round, like like everyone did, right? But I mean, you, you touched on the Browns being able to scoop them up right after Washington took Sam Cosme uh, in the second round. But it, it reminded me, and and I think, um, and look, we can put a stamp on this. I I I'm telling you right now, the last time that this happened um, with the draft pick falling because of a heart condition uh, was here in Washington. Uh, Montez Sweat, this this happened, and uh, and look how that is paying incredible dividends. So the value at, at, in the second round for the Browns just adds to, to a good draft that they've had. Um, Jacob, I'm throwing you the basketball again. I want you to go through teams you thought did not have a great draft. Um, what kind of, um, and we'll go into individual picks, um, but kind of what, what teams do you think walked away from this weekend and, and missed a couple opportunities? Yeah, I think the biggest one that stands out is the Rams. Um, I, I don't know what their strategy was. They did not take any offensive linemen, despite you know that being kind of one of their major weaknesses. They took Tutu Atwell in the second round, who has explosive potential, but you know everyone was making a big deal about like, oh, Devontae Smith's only like 170 pounds. Tutu Atwell's like 145 pounds, like. That, that, I don't know if that's going to work a receiver. Maybe it does. And Sean McVay, who am I to doubt this system that has landed them a ton of great mid-round prospects. But I thought ignoring the offensive line need in a deep offensive line draft um, wasn't, wasn't a very good strategy from them. They, may, they landed some guys that could be contributors, but I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more there. Uh, that, they're the one that stands out as probably the worst to me. Uh, I'm trying to quickly like rack my brain and think through anyone else that I thought had a bad draft. I guess the other, the other team that I didn't love was the saints. That was the other one. Like they reached for Peyton Turner in the first round. Um, Like, you know, I thought that they, 
they could have gotten him in the second round, maybe even with their pick. Um, I know he was rising in the lead up to the draft. But that was way too early. Um, and then they, they just didn't really fill a ton of needs. They got Paulson Adebo, which I like, and I like Ian book, but I don't know if I like him in the fourth round when you have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill on the roster. So I was kind of left underwhelmed by those two teams, especially the Rams have playoff aspirations. And at least with new Orleans, you're hoping you're not going through a long-term rebuild. Um, but I feel like they didn't do a great job of adding top talent. So those were the two that stood out to me. I am also mad about the Bengals not taking Penny Sewell because I don't want Joe Burrow to get hurt. Yeah, I think you and the rest of the league. I mean, we see that the picture of them unveiling the new, you know, uniforms and you just got this massive scar in his knee, just reminding everybody. Yeah, there, there's a good chance that uh, if this franchise doesn't improve, I will be out of this league very soon, which is just yeah. like, gosh, what are we doing? Uh, Ian, what do you got? Give me some losers. Yeah, so um, honestly, Jacob kind of took two of mine too, man. I mean, we're <laughs> we're on the same wavelength, but you know, it's first come, first serve. Yeah, the uh, the Rams before I before I do my unique ones, the Rams picking two two at well was like insane to me. Uh, like a hundred and forty nine pound receiver, like I'm heavier than him. Okay, and I play. I don't tennis think I've before. ever been one hundred and forty five pounds in my life. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just unfathomable, you know. And he, yeah. yes, he has speed, but you know, they had much more pressing needs. And you know, Tutu Atwell is the kind of luxury pick you make at like round six. Okay, if you filled your needs, yeah, take the one hundred fifty pound receiver. Okay, if you blow on him, he's gonna fall over, but maybe he works out. But so, yeah, I, I didn't definitely didn't like that one. That that one really stood out to me. Um, I think the Jaguars didn't have a great draft either. I mean, you get your franchise quarterback, which obviously is very good. Picking Travis Etienne in round one to me was not very good value. I thought you had other bigger needs elsewhere. Uh, and you, you pick a running back who, in my opinion, wasn't even maybe the best running back on the board. I like Javante Williams better. Um, and then. Walker Little, I thought was a bit of a reach too. So they just reached a couple times and I didn't really like that. Um, I'm trying, I had another one in mind and I lost it. I'm going to see if I can. Texans? Uh, well, the Texans are just, they can't win it, period, Jacob. They can't, they, it's not even worth discussing, discussing you know. The, I mean, it feels like every pick the Texans have, it's just an, it's just an effort and futility, you know. Like they're you're not going to save them in 2022 or 2023 or 2024. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. It's just they took a developmental quarterback in the third round with Deshaun Watson and Tyrod Taylor on the roster. It's come on, man. Yeah, yeah it's it's rough. It's rough, man. Oh, I think I got mine. Um, I'm trying to. Yeah, I think the uh, the Denver Broncos for me, and not because of their draft class overall. I thought I actually thought they had a very good draft class overall. But here's the thing, and it just goes back to Justin Fields. You know, they had an opportunity. He dropped to them at nine overall, and they could have picked him. And I think the Fields would have represented an immediate upgrade on both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater personally. And now they they passed on him. They picked Patrick Sertan when you know. Props to Sertan. I think he's an incredible corner prospect. As a prospect alone, I like that pick. But at the same time, I mean, you have a roster that's ready to win now. But in two years, it won't. It might not be because Kyle Fuller is on a one-year deal. Uh, Bryce Callahan's on a one-year deal. Although he's not a great, he's not a world beater, you know. But the fact of the matter is, their roster, their window is already kind of closing. It's open, but it's closing. And the one big need, as Jacob kind of said earlier, when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers, is quarterback. And if you don't trade for Aaron Rodgers, 
then you pass on Justin Fields, who, in my opinion, was QB2, would have been QB1 any other class uh, with his accuracy, with his athleticism, arm talent, and you pass on him. And now you have a battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And yes, sometimes quarterback battles can kind of bring out the best in people. Sometimes, and I th- I would argue more often, it turns out that neither one of them is the guy long-term. And I, I liked Drew Locke coming out. But I have to say, honestly, I don't think I don't think he's the guy long term. I, I would really like him to be, but I just don't think he is. And I think ultimately Justin Fields is such a better quarterback prospect right away on day one that you have to pick him. You have a roster that's ready to win now, except for a quarterback. And you had an opportunity. You had a quarterback, a high end quarterback gifted to you on a silver platter and you passed him up. And to me, that bumps your that bumps your draft grade down a lot maybe a, maybe a grade mm. and a half i mean it's 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 tough man but that's just that's how it goes the quarterbacks make the world go round um a couple more i would want to bring up i think the steelers kind of reached it a couple times i don't think they addressed offensive tackle early enough uh, that's a big need for them corner too uh, they didn't really address that as well as they should have getting a running back in round one as much as i love Najee. Uh, you know, I thought they could have had better value. And I do want to bring up the, the Raiders, too, because I know we brought it up earlier. I mean, Mike Mayock, what is he doing? You know, I actually thought people ragged on that first round pick a little too much. You know, I thought it was a little bit of a reach for Alex Leatherwood, but he's a very athletic player. He's incredibly long, has a lot of starting experience from Alabama. And I think he projects very well to right tackle where he would be playing. So me personally, I would have preferred Tevin Jenkins there. But I'm not arguing with that pick. I think he can be a solid starter. There were a few. I thought I thought Malcolm Kuntz in round three was a big reach for the Raiders. Um, but aside from that, I mean, they got some good players at, at good value. They got Tyree Gillespie later on, who, which I thought was a good pick. I thought Jimmy, Jimmy Morrissey provides very good depth for them. So they made a few good picks. I, I'm not going to rag on the Raiders draft completely. Um, there were some instances where the value could have been better. Um, but ultimately they got divine Diablo too, which that's like the best name you're ever going to find in the draft. So, and, and on top of that, he's actually a good player with some good upside. So they had a decent draft. I'm not going to say that it was a bad draft for sure. I thought, I thought the Leatherwood pick was better than people let on. Not a good, not a great pick, but a pick that can pay dividends later on. So I think the big losers are, are what we touched on, you know, the Rams, the saints, and the Broncos, in my opinion, just because they have a roster that's ready to win now, but they might waste it all just because they don't have a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And if if I may weigh in, I, I Connor, this is your podcast, and we're like not letting you talk right now. <laughs> I love this. No, I, I brought. I here's the thing. I, listen, when I need uh, my my AC fixed, which I currently do, I'm sitting in a house that's 85 degrees. I digress. Oh when my I need my God. AC fixed. I, uh, I call FH fur. They come out, they take care of it. When I need a room painted, uh, sometimes I'll paint it. Other times I bring in guys to paint it. When I need the draft to be covered, I need draft analysts on here to coach me up. Because unfortunately, <laughs> when I open my mouth, a lot of times it ends up, I, I talk myself into thinking that I know what I'm talking about. And then I listen to myself and I go, wait a second, that made no sense. So it's like the that, fact like that you that guys Michael are here. Scott, it's like that Michael Scott yeah. meme, like sometimes I, I just start a sense. I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, that's exactly correct. So keep going, Jacob. You were saying something. <laughs> yeah. So on the Alex Leatherwood pick, the big the big media companies basically what I what to my understanding were too low on Alex Leatherwood. He was universally by teams regarded as a late first to mid or a mid to late first round prospect. Like some teams had top twenty five grades on him. 
Uh, others did not. You'll get a large variance at different points, but you know that was not ma- that was not a massive reach like many made it out to be. So I'm glad you see that yeah. too, Ian. And I also think for Leatherwood specifically, in a non-strong tackle class, I don't think there's a question about him being a top 20 pick because he has 40 games worth of starting experience at Alabama at multiple positions. He projects well to right tackle, potentially guard. He could have played the left side if he needed to. Um, yeah, I, I think there, there's not a lot like, yeah, you can say like, oh, why did they take Christian Darisaw or, or why didn't they take Tevin Jenkins for sure? Like, but the fact of the matter is the, the fourth ranked offensive tackle on in this draft, like there, there was like a good five tackles that teams had ranked in a variety of different ways, but Leatherwood was not a reach by the Raiders. And that was actually a pick I got right in my mock. So, um, I, it's amazing. Yeah, you yeah, mocked but, that. Yes, yes. That's incredible. Myself, wow. Walter Cherapinski, and Charlie Campbell all had Alex Leatherwood to the to the Raiders. So anyone who says there wasn't mocks with uh, Leatherwood to the Raiders, they didn't read ours. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think there were some funny things about, look, the. I think what was funny about the Leatherwood pick was obviously it was before I, I ever thought that was going to happen. I think a lot of people obviously didn't think that was going to happen. And I think Mike Mayock is obviously playing against the fact that Cleland Farrell taken it, you know, for, you know, a couple of years ago, playing against him a couple first round early, early picks that have just not panned out. It just seems as if there's reaching in a lot of different categories. But I think what was funny was what was the most entertaining in my eyes was watching NFL Network cover this. And watching Daniel Jeremiah as he was kind of walking through the picks, because Mike Mayock obviously came from NFL Network. Uh, He's beloved. Everyone everyone loves him, whether you like his draft takes or not, whether you agree with his moves or not. um, He's just a lovable guy. I mean, he's 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 funny. He's entertaining. He's really knowledgeable. Obviously, he knows more football than I ever will. Uh, But what was funny was watching the pick and then seeing the NFL Network guys really slowly try to say that they didn't like the pick, but in a very gentle manner. You know, you see. Like Washington is is renowned for if they take a step wrong, national media will just pounce on them and they'll just they'll destroy them. You see Mike Mayock, a beloved figure at NFL Network, and all the the media members are just like, well, this Leatherwood pick is it's a good one if that's what you're looking for. If they wanted Leatherwood and they picked him, that's good. I'll leave it at that. It's just like you poor guys don't want to step on your buddy. Um, but that's that's that was that was fascinating. Look, we're gonna see how that pans out. Uh, look, you, you played Alabama for long period of time you um you clearly can play football so um we'll see we'll see it's gonna be interesting i guess the reason i was shocked is just i, I had Darisaw over him um i even uh had obviously i had vera tucker over him in in, in my personal eyes i had tevin jenkins over him as well so we'll see i mean honestly we, what do i know but um that's gonna be gonna be fun to pan out jacob i want your take because we have a whole bunch of uh patriots fans we got a we got a great audience up in uh the new england area up in up in new hampshire um got got jared from rhode island who's killing for this this answer i want you to break down i know you loved uh, mac jones but um at 15 i mean this just couldn't have worked better for the patriots in the sense that you didn't have to trade up for him there was a lot of talk about oh the Patriots are gonna have to trade up and you've already spent a lot of money you don't want to start ditching draft capital um but you just essentially fell right into their laps um break down what the feel is kind of what you get your hand on the pulse up there of, of Patriots fans. What, what, what is the reaction? How do you think he's going to fit? I mean, what did you think of their, their pick there at 15? 
I think from a fan perspective, it's a mixed bag because there's been there's been so much like between the media and Twitter, like just the polarization of Mac Jones, where it's you either love him or you hate him. Like there's not much in between uh, or room for objective analysis. Uh, but I, I think generally speaking, those that are hungry for a quarterback uh, look at Mac Jones and they say, hey, like, yeah, he doesn't have the same ceiling as the other prospects, but hey, this guy's accurate. He was really good last year at Alabama. Uh, he's from Saban's, uh, Saban's program. Bill Belichick has been tapping into that for a long time. He was the 11th different Nick Saban coach player that Belichick has selected, and he later made it 12, but he took um, Barmore there. So there's a really strong connection there. Um, and I just think that the way that he will fit into this offense is just going to work out very well because uh, Josh McDaniels was used to coaching Tom Brady in New England. They had an offense that was built around like, yeah, our quarterback's not that mobile. Um, he can move if needed, but really his strength is accuracy and ball placement. Um, I think you'll see a lot of the same things with Mac Jones in that regard. Uh, they have a strong offensive line, which will help protect Mac Jones. And then those two tight ends are going to be really good weapons for him. Uh, the one thing we're going to need to see is can Mac Jones throw the ball downfield consistently and hit accurately, or is his arm strength not good enough? Uh, that's going to be the big question. And the, one of the things I don't like about how the team's built is Nelson Aguilar is their best receiver, and he's like a true deep threat. Um, so I'm not sure how he and Mac Jones are going to connect, but I think the way the Patriots have built their offense in the past is well suited to Mac Jones. Like he reads the field, he makes quick, quick decisions, gets the ball out of his hand, doesn't take sacks, doesn't turn the ball over. Um, and they've added enough playmakers to that offense that it should work out for them. Um, I'm interested to see if it does or if he'll overtake Cam Newton, who will be the uh, starter until Bill Belichick says otherwise. But I think there's reason to be really optimistic about this pick, not just because I think Mac Jones is talented, but from, from a fit perspective, it works. And again, you didn't have to trade up to get him, which you brought up as a point that I totally agree with. Because, you know, if they had had to trade up, you'd be talking about surrendering assets while you're still kind of navigating your first full rebuild in two decades. And that's not easy to do. So I like that they stayed put, didn't surrender future firsts, and still came away with a quarterback that could possibly make them a playoff team again. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to uh to watch, see how that plays out. Um Ian, I got a question for you next, but do, do you have any quick thoughts on uh on Mac Jones at 15? No, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, like I wasn't used my QB five. Uh, I kind of maintained that there was a time when I was trying to, you know, entertain the thought of him being in my top four. But for me, physical traits are very important at quarterback. And I'm not saying I think Mac has a good arm. OK, but I, I think you look at the other guys that just naturally have more off platform, off script ability. And that's going to to me, that's going to weigh them more heavily in my eyes. But I do think Mac Jones can be a good NFL quarterback. And I think if you don't have to trade up for that quarterback, getting him at 15 without having to, you know, give up extra assets, that's the best possible scenario. And if you can get a quarterback in that sense, it, the, kind of the same thing with Justin Fields. If he's there at number nine, Broncos, take him, okay? Don't look back. For the Patriots at 15, that's that's just as good value. So I am completely on board with that. And I, I do think that their offensive line is is good. They can, imp they can improve a couple spots, I think, but they're Basically, I think that supporting cast, aside from maybe one or two receivers, is pretty set uh, to help a, ro a rookie quarterback. They they've improved a lot over the course of the offseason, and they got that last piece in Mac Jones. I think they're they're definitely trending up there. 
yeah um yeah it's going to be exciting exciting to watch for sure and again watch, watching that just kind of fall into their laps was um to me at least just it it, it couldn't have worked better for the patriots because look you, you get your guy i think he's he can he can be a good fit and look again we, we said this with leatherwood you play for alabama um you play for nick saban uh, you're playing in the sec and it's a big time performances against some really, really good teams. Like we're not talking about an FCS quarterback here. Um, you know, we're not talking about a guy who clearly when compared to Justin Fields or Trey Lance, just doesn't have the athleticism, but guy has an arm. Um, and I think I, I, I grew to like him a lot more than I, I at least once did. Um, so that's going to be fun to watch. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I got a couple more questions here and, th- and then we got to wrap this up, but um, I want to, um, bring it back home to Washington here. Um, cause I know a lot of people, um, were really fascinated by what they, what they did, um, at 19, um, taking Jamin Davis from Kentucky. Um, Ian, talk to me about Jamin Davis, coach us up a little bit about what you liked about him. Do you think they reached on him? I know a lot of people thought they did. I, I think they reached on him slightly. Um, I do think that Jamin Davis was, was just rising in so many boards and just how many experts that I've read and have said, Hey, in the last few weeks, this guy was skyrocketing to the point where there's no way he'd be available for them in the second round. So, you know, if that was their guy and they felt like they could reach, then they would do that. Um, talk to me about Jamin Davis, coach us up a little bit. Um, what'd you like about him? Do you think he's a good fit? Um, maybe did they reach, um, break that down for us. Yeah. So I think, um, Washington is in a good scenario here because they have a very good defense already. And that front seven or that front four, at least you put, you put a linebacker behind there with the traits and it doesn't matter if he's completely ready, that defensive line is going to help him play faster and freer. And then they also have a good secondary too, aside from, you know, getting the free safety, which they do have a few options there. Oh, sorry. I just ate dinner. But um, yeah, so I think that me looking at Jamin Davis I, it, on my board, maybe it was a little bit of a reach, but it was a reach that they could afford because he's such a talented player. Um, You look at his tape. He's six foot four, 234 pounds, 448, 40 yard dash, 42 inch vertical. OK, the guy is a top tier athlete. I think he had a relative athletic score of 9.94, which basically means he tested better than 99.4% of, of linebackers ever to test since 2000. So he's, he is an insane athlete and it shows up on the film. I, I watched him before uh, the draft when I was, when I was putting together the uh, PFN draft profile. And earlier today, I just wrote a little, a little uh, analysis piece about him. And uh, I fired up that tape again and the way he moves, man, he is such an amped up athlete. He has a ton of lateral twitch too. You know, like with his four four eight speed and that forty two inch vert, you'd assume that he's rangy and explosive, and he is. He is. He can cover ground very quickly, but he's also super twitchy in the short range too. And he's really good at changing his tackling angles at the last second. You know, like some guys are kind of, you know, they 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 kind of corner when they change direction, and they they can't do it really abruptly. But Jamin Davis can. He can adjust his angles. He's really long too, with thirty three inch arms. So he has that range within the tackling window where he can wrangle guys up from behind. Uh, he has that range in the short range, but then also in the long, in the long range too. He can cover ground really quickly with his speed, with his length. Um, I, I, I think from a physical standpoint, all the tools that you need are there. And there are also really good flashes, of instincts and aggressiveness. He's not afraid to go into congested situations and make plays. He's not afraid to get physical. Uh, and, and really, honestly, uh, there are some instances where, you know, when he pulls his trigger, when he just goes all out and, and kind of 
hones in on a play, he can just stop it right there. Uh, so really, he has that game-changing ability with his athletic upside. The, the Really, the, the key need for improvement with him is there sometimes when he's a little too aggressive and he doesn't read his keys, you know, he can, he can, that, the process of reading his keys and acting on them can be improved at the NFL level. Uh, there are some times when he kind of pulls the trigger too fast or is hesitant, you know, and that's the way it is with linebackers. You know, it's a constant kind of tug, tug, tug of war with the offense, you know, cause the offense, they may be showing you something and they do something else. And as your linebacker, it's your job to read that and you don't always read it correctly. Uh, so Jamin Davis certainly can improve there, but he has the physical traits. He's a high character guy. Uh, we know that we know you need to check that box if Ron Rivera is going to draft you in round one. And he did, obviously. And then on top of that, he has the physical traits that supersede most linebackers to come before him. So honestly, the upside is so high for me. And I think he's a very good fit as a 4-3 linebacker. You know, I think as a will linebacker is a better fit for him right now. Because at 234 pounds, at 6'4", he is a little lean. He is a little lean, especially in, in situations where he, he has to deal with contact from blockers. He's not always going to hold up the best. I think he still has good play strength, but he can improve there too. So getting him in a full-time, in, a, in more of a coverage role where he can use that athleticism in space, but then also close in on guys with his explosiveness, that's the best role for him. But he has the upside where it's really worth the investment, honestly. So I, I was I was a fan of it when it was originally made, and I, I've become an even bigger fan of it after kind of analyzing where the upside is. And I think that, you know, even if it was a little bit of a reach, Washington can afford to do it, and I think they can get the most out of him. And if they get the most out of him, it's not a reach anymore. It was the right pick. Yeah. Um, no, I agree 100%. And, uh, and look, I, I'll, I'll take the opinion of Ron Rivera, um, a member of the 1985 Chicago Bears as a linebacker and Jack Del Rio, a professional linebacker, coach linebackers played in the league. Um, I think these guys know what they're looking for in, in linebackers. And I, I think um, while, you know, I, I Darisaw was there and I, I personally thought they were going to go Darisaw there. But look, you, you come back in round two and get Cosme. I mean, that that guy was was graded in some some places as, as a first round pick. So the incredible value there. Um, Jacob, um, break down uh, what, what you like about that pick, uh, 19, maybe what you don't like about it. Um, and then what, what do you think? Do, do you think Washington should have gone after a quarterback? Um, you know, where do you think they were? There? Do, you, do you think maybe doing what the Bears did if they felt like they liked Justin Fields? Um, do you think they should have? Um, walk us through Jamin Davis and then kind of let us know what you thought about, uh, you know, their 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 well, lack thereof of going after a quarterback there at 19. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of the Davis pick as well. Uh, as you guys both mentioned, he, he was rising in the lead up to the draft. Uh, his athleticism, his pro day testing, just his tape overall, it all looks good. He looks like the potential total package. He's a high character guy. Um, I think that he will fit in in this defense. He filled one of their biggest needs. They needed linebacker help. Uh, between him and Cole Holcomb, they have two really athletic guys uh, um, at that linebacker position. And if they both develop into solid starters, they're going to be in good shape. Then they'll just need to find a middle linebacker guy to eventually replace John Bostic as opposed to running by committee there. So I, I like the pick a lot. Uh, I, like you, thought Darisaw might be the pick, but I truly don't have a problem with it either way. And I thought Sam Cosby should have been a top 40 pick. Uh, so getting him in the second round, I think, really just mitigates the potential loss of Darisaw there. Uh, in terms of the quarterback position, 
I think that they did the right thing. I think because of where they're at in their rebuild, uh, trading up for a quarterback, you know, it was possible. It could have worked. Um, but if they want, they didn't want to give up the type of package that the Bears gave up to get Fields, probably. Um, Ron Rivera said they considered it, but they didn't ultimately pull the trigger there. And I think that was a fine decision because the fact of the matter is they've built out the rest of their roster now. If Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke don't step up, outplay Ryan Fitzpatrick and take reign on the starting job, then in the 2022 offseason, you can really focus on finding who your next quarterback is going to be. Um, and you can do that in the draft. You can do that. I don't know who's a free agent coming up, or but we've seen it now. A lot of quarterbacks end up getting traded. So uh, you never know who's going to be out there on the market. So I think they, they did a lot of what the Patriots did. They let the draft come to them. None of the quarterbacks made it to them. And they said, okay, fine. We'll go take a linebacker and improve the rest of our team. And I'm actually very glad they didn't take a linebacker or not a linebacker quarterback after the first round. Um, because they would have been just banking on more developmental potential. And if you look at what they have on the roster already, they have a couple guys that could develop into something. And they're going to give them that year, this year to figure it out. If nothing works this year, Fitzpatrick's a fine bridge. 2022, you'll find your quarterback. That's the way this rebuild's been structured. Um, you know, they're not rushing into any decisions rashly. They're not like going to sacrifice quality of the roster for one position, even if it's as important as quarterback. And I think that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, and this is exact. I think we, we do this as well uh, a lot in the draft where we get enamored by guys and, and, and it's every year it's a, you have to go all in um, or you miss out. And then next year you have to go all in or you miss out. But I think people also forget it's it's exactly what you said. I mean, we've never seen more high-end veteran talent at the quarterback position become so available during the offseason like we have the last you know few years. And so, you know, for Washington, they they can answer that question. It doesn't it doesn't have to be through the draft if if you know if if one of these veterans become available. So um, next year is going to be fascinating to watch. And again, you're going to have another class of uh, a lot of you know these these players who are opting into their senior season. Next year is going to be an incredibly uh, deep draft of talent. So it's going to be so fun to watch. Um, I could just talk draft with these guys for the rest of my life. Uh, I, I just, you guys are just awesome. Uh, we are running up on it here. Um, so I think we're going to leave it at that. Um, but we're going to get you guys back on again. Um, again, uh, you both have, have been great again. We, we, you know, we've worked together in the past and, um, getting you guys on the podcast, is just the easiest thing ever. Um, you're, you're, you both provide such great insight and educate us and coach us up. Um, Jacob, where can we find you? Where can we find you on Twitter? Is this at Jacob Kamaker on Twitter? Where, where, where can we get your work? Yeah, you can on Twitter at Jacob Kamaker. That's me. Um, you can find my work at sportingnews.com. Um, I am, I am there, uh, full time now. So you'll find some, uh, fun NFL content over there. Awesome. But you'll also, uh, find, uh, be covering some other sports there too. So if you, you know, you like the NFL, but you like basketball, baseball, all those, uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, weighing in on some trending topics there. So, uh, check me out at sporting news and on Twitter and yeah, always feel free to hit me up with any, uh, football questions. I'm always happy to talk. Yeah. He's the best. He's always, again, Ian and Jacob are both so, um, so available. They're always on the other end uh of their accounts I, every time i've messaged them both they've just got back immediately they're just they're just awesome um and ian from pro football network it's ian underscore cummings underscore nine on twitter where, where else can we follow you or, or find your stuff ian 
Yeah, so, yeah, you said it, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. My stuff is at Pro Football Network, and then I will occasionally write stuff for Rigos too. Uh, before I leave, I want to give a little draft nugget because uh, we're moving on to 2022 work now, and I knew I know we don't have a quarterback, and uh, this quarterback class is coming up. It, it's weird, man. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely not as top-heavy. Uh, I would take all the top four quarterbacks before any of the quarterbacks next year, but there are a lot of guys who could be in round one. I mean, the names are – it's almost a dozen. Uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, uh, Malik Willis, uh, Carson Strong, uh, and, and I'm already blanking on him, man, but there's like Desmond Ritter. Uh, so that's five right there. And then there's more to uh, Kidon Slovis. Although I was watching Slovis today and I'm not, I'm not as high in him anymore. But uh, the fact of the matter is we have no idea what's going to happen. And so if you're a Washington football team fan trying to get that franchise quarterback still, this is definitely going to be a year to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. And again, the, it, it can all I, look Trey Lance is the exact, he went three overall. Um, the guy's got got a year basically under his belt. So you, you never know what a year can do, uh, especially this year. Um, it's going to be so much fun to watch. So make sure you guys take it your Sharpie, put those names down. Um, follow Ian uh, and both Jacob, but they, Ian, I know has been doing the uh, way too early mock drafts for, for next year already. Uh, so he is, he is hot on it and uh, he's got all the information you need, but, uh, but for now, boys, I really, really uh, do appreciate um, you guys joining us. And uh, you know that it's an open invitation. Anytime you want to jump on after further review, uh, you got a seat and you got a mic here at the table for sure. All right, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. We will talk soon. And again, hit them up. That's uh, at Jacob Kamaker at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. That is where you will find those guys. Thank you, boys, as always. And we will be back here on after further review. with Connor Forrest. Thank you again to Ian Cummings, um, Jacob Kamaker. They were awesome. I really appreciate them as always being so generous with their time. Um, hopefully you guys learned uh, a good deal, a lot of information there. Um, so we're really grateful. We will get them on again in the near future. Um, that should be everything uh, in regards to the draft. Uh, you have any questions? Go ahead. Again, it's mailbag at Connor Forrest. C-O-N-O-R-F-O-R-R-E-S-T uh, at mailbag. Let's go ahead and try that again. Do I not even know my own email? This is just the worst look of all time, Sean. It's mailbag at connorforest.com. You know how to spell my name now. It's one N in Connor and two R's in Forest. It's as simple as that. Mailbag at connorforest.com. We'll take a care of you. Um, I'll take a, an L real quick for um, screwing that up. Um, but, Shawnee, I do have uh, just a couple questions about the fishing trip. Yes. Um Real quickly, because I know we're right up on it. Tell me about the how it works with the like you pay a certain amount. The mm-hmm. tuna, how many? First of all, how many fish did you catch? We caught four tuna. Okay. And what what is it? Would you just take the tuna home? Is that, are those yours? Yeah, they, uh, there's a place at the harbor that cuts them up for you. You don't okay. really have a choice to do otherwise. I guess you could tell them no, we'll do it ourselves, but they typically just take it once you get it off the boat and they'll take it and cut it up. I think it's 50 cents a pound. Okay. Um, so we pay, yeah, we paid 50 bucks um, cause we got a hundred pounds. Okay, cool. So you, bucks. so you, you still pay for the tuna. You pay for the cutting of it and you also pay. So the boat to rent the boat has a fee and there's a maximum of six people. So the more okay. people you get, the cheaper it is. I see. So we had, we had five people. What one of the guys that we went with yesterday, he, um, or, 
yeah, yes, was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yesterday, right? Monday, yeah. yeah. And so the he paid double because he wanted two times the fish. Okay. So he he wanted extra fish. So in order, he he wanted like two shares of fish. So we had five people, but it still costed this cost cost. Dude, I can't talk. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know our own stupid English show lessons. email. Oh gosh. Yeah, okay. English lessons. I need a oh. I need a slap in the face. I do too, man. No, it still costs. Uh, I think the boat's nineteen hundred to rent for the okay. day, and then okay. you divide that by six. Nineteen hundred divided by six, and then you pay for the fish that you catch. Yep, fifty cents a pound. Fifty cents a pound. Okay, yep. and you div- I mean, that's divided by everybody. Okay, cool. Right. So. Uh, did you? How much fish did you end up taking home? So my grandparents don't really like tuna, so I got their share. Um, I had to pay for it, so I ended up paying twenty five bucks for my share of tuna. Um, so I got half. So that's twenty five pounds. Wow. So uh, it's tuna for dinner for the next a lot of time, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. So I, I got it in the fridge right now. Got to airtight that. And I'll uh, put it in a cooler and, yeah, freeze nice. some of it, probably cook some of it right away. But, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, bring some of that over. I'll throw it on the grill. Yeah, you know, I'll try, yeah. Should, yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, we'll come up with something to screw it up for sure. <laughs> uh, tuna's hard. Yeah, dude, tuna's get, very hard. It can get really dry really quick. It can get dry. And the whole thing is with tuna, it's the same thing with swordfish. Is like It's actually a tougher fish. It's not like salmon, which is a little bit like – more delicate or like any like the sea bass or any other like the white fish mahi mm-hmm. mahi is a little bit more delicate but like tuna steaks are pretty hard mm-hmm. um so we can easily oh, yeah. dry those out um yeah that's fun. that's wonderful shine i'm glad you had a good time i'm sorry about the old uh the old uh hurling action overboard that's but right. but uh we will uh we will live to uh we will rise again man right that's what I'll, Tribbiani said i will try i love it man well um is that everything shawnee I think that's everything. Good, great interview. Sounded great. It was awesome, man. I had a lot of fun. Those guys, those guys make it so easy. So uh, again, so grateful for them. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, we will be back here again next week for episode nine. Wow, oh, this is pretty great, man. It literally feels like we just started, and I react to that every single time. But um, it'd be a lot of fun. So next week we'll jump right into um news and notes around the league we'll we'll get uh, the latest on aaron Rodgers' craziness i know i got some questions um i know sean's got some stuff uh, that i know you've got your two cents to toss into the hat on aaron Rodgers. so that'll be a lot of fun but uh johnny i really do appreciate you making this happen late night virtually um really do appreciate it. it's always good to see you yep, thank uh, you for all you listening thank you guys so much ian and jacob thank you guys as always and next week Episode 9, we will be back. And as always, we will see you guys on the other side.